I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Dobry večer and welcome to the Bohemian Podcast with Pete Coleman and Travis Doe. Good evening from Prague. I'm Pete Coleman. And I'm Travis. Tonight, we'll take a look at the patron saint of bridges in the Czech Republic and also protector of floods. His name, John of Nepomuk. Now, we talk about John of Nepomuk because he is somewhat influential here in, in the Czech Republic. Uh, when I say influential, he is on every bridge that you ever cross here. There's a, there's a little statue, usually, mm-hmm. of him, which is a protector of that bridge to keep it from falling and also protector from the floods that have really done some serious damage in the Czech Republic on the, on those many rivers. But tonight we really focus on his life and times and why he's become famous and why he became a martyr. If the stories are true, he was the very first martyr of the Seal of the Confessional, which means that he chose death over divulging what someone told him during a confession. That would be a royal someone. We'll get to that in a moment. He's also the patron, the patron saint against calumnies, a, which is a, slan- a slanderous statement. The short version of the story was that he was drowned in the Vltava River at the behest of Wenceslaus, the king of the Romans and the king of Bohemia, because Nepomuk refused to tell Vaslav that of what Vaslav had said in her, her confessional. So the real important part of this was that he is a figure perpetuated a little bit by the Jesuits later on in, in Prague that the confessional is sacrosanct and that it should not be divulged, and he was really the um, the cornerstone of, of that kind of thought. Sometimes he can be referred to as John Nepomucin, which just means, you know, as if he's from Nepomuk. Okay, and in, and in Czech, Jan Nepomucki, same thing. Um, yeah, that, that wasn't his name at all, actually, because Nepomuk, the town, was at his time called Pomuk, okay, then later changed to Nepomuk. And his real name was actually Jan Velfin, or, or Velfin, or uh, whatever, this is Pomuku, which means from Pomuk, okay? So just keep that in mind when you finally get your time machine figured out and you <laughs> go back looking for him. So Pomuk, the, the village, was later named Nepomuk, and it's in Bohemia, and it, it belonged to the nearby Cistercian Abbey. 
And so it wasn't even a town in its own right after his death. So we know him as something, but if you were like, hey, John Nepomuk, he, would, he just he wouldn't even. Well, and, and I think when we, we said that the qualifier, if uh, these stories are true, th there is some, some gray area here because well after his death, uh, the church used this, this act of him being um, drowned off the bridge and the idea that he, he really uh, allowed himself to become a martyr because he would not divulge uh, what was said in a confessional. That really played into the part for the Catholic Church because it, it kind of showed that what it takes to, to be strong in the, in the light of adversity uh, with a lot of political pressure that the church would not bend. And so I think that, as you're saying, Travis, it really, over the years after his death, uh, there was more to the story. There was more added to, to his legend. There was more added to his name, where he was from, and what importance that laid. And, and uh, as, the time, as the time was moving forward, uh, people really grabbed onto that. And you can see the same thing from a previous podcast when we said about St. Wenceslaus. You know, he was not probably revered during his lifetime that much, uh, but later on in life, um, he was, was picked to be uh, the patron saint of the Czech Republic. So I think there's some things that are in common with St. Wenceslaus in that, in, that, in that vein of thought, as there is with uh, John Nepomuk. Yeah, so let's, let's actually talk about who he was. Like, you know, what, what we do know about him and, and um, what he actually did do was he studied at the University of Prague, and um, he went on to study canon law at the University of Padua from 1393, and he was made the vicar general of Jan of Jenstein, who was the archbishop of Prague. All right. Now that same year, uh, in 1393, on March 20th, he was tortured, thrown into the river Vltava from Charles Bridge in Prague, which is, there's a spot marking the bridge where he was chucked in, at the behest of Wenceslav. Okay. So that's that's basically his life. And let, let, let's make this clear to you. It's not uh, St. Wenceslaus. This is Wenceslaus no, no. III. Yeah. Right. right. So, yeah. and there's a lot of a lot of men that were named Winchester's in honor of one, Saint Winchester. One saint killing another. Boy, yeah, that's that, that would be bad news. Yeah. No. So the different Winchester's doing this. The third we believe in. And so um, you're right, Travis. Uh, this this has a, a a lot of drama when you take somebody saying, "Hey, the, the king wants to know what his wife said in confessional because he doesn't trust her." That's really what the gist of this was, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, th so that's the story. Okay. But so why why was he actually chucked over Chuck's Bridge? <laughs> uh, that was bad. Leave it in. No, we'll leave it. We'll leave it in. Okay. Um, oh. <laughs> he was chucked over Chuck's bridge for what reason, Travis? All right. So, so yeah. So they, you know, later they said he was a martyr. He died a martyr's death. Okay. But it could have actually been exaggerated. Now we get into this in a different episode on the Hussite Wars. But basically, the the bishop of Prague might have been backing the wrong pope. So there, there, was an, there was more than one pope at the time, and uh, it, it plays in more to the Hussite Wars, and we'll, we'll get into that in a different episode. But basically, Wenceslav backed the pope in Avignon, um, and he needed the, the resources of the abbot for the Benedict Abbey of Claude Ruby, which was a very important abbey in the Czech Republic. It's actually past and, Pilsen, um, and it's a beautiful abbey, actually. I've been yeah. there. It's... it's uh, um, held a lot of power in Western Bohemia at the time, and really connected uh, a huge chunk of the church to the lands that were were bordering at the time the Germanic people. It w it was strategic in the sense that if I mean it was powerful enough that if if the king had the sway of the abbot there, then um, he kind of 
had the sway of most of the nobility, and I mean, it was it was very important. Um, we'll get into that also in the Yanhus. It also plays a really important role in the, in the Hussai Wars and all that. But the Archbishop of Prague followed the Pope in Rome. Okay, so it's not good to back different popes. It's just that that never ends well. The schism wasn't good for a lot of things, but that that uh, you can definitely see it was it it split uh, allegiances here in Prague. Absolutely. Yep. So against Wenceslaus' wishes, Nepomuk confirmed the archbishop's candidate for the abbot of Claude, Claude Ruby, so not the guy that Wenceslaus wanted, and promptly drowned on the emperor's orders March 20th, 1393. So that could be as simple as that, okay? And maybe the church later on added the idea right. of confession. So, so, well, this is, yeah, I'm going to lay out the possibilities here. Yeah. because So possibly there, there was no martyr's death whatsoever. He just backed a, a different uh, arch, different candidate to the, to the archbishopric than the king did, which, um, you know, in this case could have been, was, was deadly. So immediately after his death, he was called a martyr just because of, even if he just, just by backing the Pope in Rome, the Pope in Rome could have said, oh, he was a martyr because he died for his beliefs because he backed me, not the anti-Pope in Avignon or whatever, okay? So right from the get-go after his death, we have a chronicle uh, on the Teutonic Orders where he's already mentioned as a glorious martyr of Christ and sparkling with miracles pretty soon after his death. But we still have no mention of the confession and we have no mention of them chopping out his tongue or any of the other things that he did. But now it gets more interesting. So we get some more depth to the myth here. And granted, the chroniclers had had had, had uh, some primary sources that were lost today, uh, but many of the stories regarding uh, John Nepomuk weren't around until 60 years after his death. Many historians, uh, pretty much all of the Protestant ones in, the, in, the, in that area, uh, regard the, the next stories as a simple myth, which are the Chronicle of Chronica Regum Romanorum, uh, completed in 1459. Thomas Ebendorfer, the first mentions that Nepomuk died for keeping Voslov's confession a secret. Nepomuk also says that only the one who rules properly deserves the name of king. And uh, that pretty much kind of set the the, the, the uh, line in the sand, it's didn't not, it? Not a smart thing to say. No, I mean that's you know you're, <laughs> you're living in the town where the king is uh, as as you know archbishop. You're going to have uh, some problems saying those words, aren't you? Yeah, you'd okay. think so. Okay, so in 1471, Paul Zedek uh, pr provides for uh, further detail. King Vaslas uh, was afraid that his wife had a lover. And she, as she was used to confessing to Magistar Jan, he ordered him to tell the name of the lover. But that didn't work out. Uh, he would not say anything. Therefore, the king ordered John to be drowned. Know that these chronicles neither the date of these events nor the name of the queen that is mentioned. So again, that might be something that were kind of that was added to the myth a little later on. Uh, but that's the, actually the myth that I've been taught when I first moved yeah. here to Prague during listening to the tours or reading books about it because it, it fits really nice into into the uh, the story that uh, here's this here's this man that is protecting the the the, the, sa the sanctity of confession and uh, you have a, a king that is that is you know really thinking that his his wife has betrayed him so there's a lot of drama in that story but if you listen to any Czech legend legend and I, I want you to hear this folks this is really important. You're gonna have to take it with a grain of salt, <laughs> because a lot of the Czech legends um, have different directions. And if you dig deep enough, you might find the truth a little bit further underneath the the the, the sensational part of the legend. Well, yeah, especially this time in history, we're talking about 
the Hussite Wars. So again, the possibility exists that we've lost some primary sources, okay, that, you know, they were not, burned, things yeah. were sacked. I mean, that, that, that's really important here. The Hussites came in. It's possible, yeah, right? They, but, right? But on the other hand, um, the Catholics really needed a martyr, a Catholic hero, to oppose all these Protestant heroes running around in this time in Czech Republic. So, you know, one Catholic guy was killed, uh, you know, because he backed the Pope. Oh boy, this is it, you know. So, so there's definitely, there's, there's political motivation to make him a martyr and, and to tell these stories the way they did. Um, but, so, you know, doesn't, I mean, we don't know. Like, you know, we weren't there, so. You, you're going to have to understand when we talk about the Hussite Wars um, you know, to our listeners, uh, and as we get to another podcast on the Hussite Wars, it, this really was a benchmark in all of Bohemia and the Czech Republic because it, it separated towns, uh, it separated families in some respects. It was pretty much their civil war. Uh, you had people that were loyal to the Catholics. You had people that were loyal to the Protestants. And depending on who was in power at the time, you, you would have uh, these these horrible fights and, and power struggles and, and uh uh, burnings and and uh, you name it. It was a pretty pretty ugly time here. But that basically goes to show you what, what Travis is saying is that there's going to be two sides to almost every story when it comes to this era. Uh, one Protestant side and one Catholic side. And Travis, when we talk about the Catholic side, what what do s some of the Catholics feel uh, in the sense that this story was true, that it was about him protecting the confession? Some of them were saying that um, that it could be true and that Václav was just waiting for some excuse. So that, um, so basically, it's the confessor story is true, and that Václav, that wasn't enough by himself to, to kill him, or he knew that he would cr instantly create a martyr. So he waited for some excuse, i.e. backing the wrong archbishop for, for Claude Ruby, right? So he wanted the confession, he wanted to know who his, his wife was uh, messing around with in the background, but this was the excuse he needed. So you could say maybe it was true and this was just the real reason or this was, you know, the excuse he needed. But, it, but it's hard to say. Uh, there, there was one coincidence that, that uh, helped his sainthood because, okay, so he was a martyr, but he also needs some miracles, right? And call it a coincidence or, or maybe you, if, if you believe in miracles, then uh, maybe this, this, you know, is enough for sainthood for you. But... There was a drought in the region a year later, okay, after after his death, and the church kind of convinced the peasant that if uh, if the peasants that that it represented God's punishment for killing Jan Nepomuk, so they they kind of the the Jesuits in this case or the Catholics in this case, they the the peasants kind of reacted positively to that, saying, okay, well you know we're sorry, or they they believed that it was punishment. And so building on that, they attempted to make the king seem even worse than he was. And, uh, you know, within certain clerical cir circles, spreading reports of kind of John's miracles and courage and all those things. So saying that as a confessor to the queen, and then, you know, that he refused to reveal her secrets, that that's what the deal was. So, I mean, there was, you know, it was, yeah. Okay, but there's, there's something even weirder about this whole story. And uh, you, you want to talk about that? Yeah, his his tongue. <laughs> all right. Yes. So I've seen his tongue. Okay. All right. We, all right. Maybe instead of me going into this, since you've seen the tongue, may, you tell me the story then, because well, because I haven't seen the tongue. I mean, the the, the, <laughs> the story is that 
you know, it's a relic of a saint, right? So it has supernatural powers. It's, you know, it's th that whole thing. So three centuries later, his body's totally decayed, whatever. And when they opened up his, um, his tomb, you know, one of the things of sainthood is, uh, what do you call it? An, an, the body doesn't decompose? There's a word for that. Yeah, I, I actually don't know the word for it, but it, this is in many instances where um, there's no smell, there uh, of of decayed flesh, even after years, there's yeah. very little decaying issue right. with, with, with their skin without being treated, um, and there are body parts that normally should be dust at that time that are, are actually still in place. So people consider that miracles. Yeah. So so in in Nepomuk's case, uh, his body was pretty well disintegrated, but um, it was. Uh, some people thought that they cut out his tongue right before they chucked him over the river, uh, over the bridge. Because, you know, he was the confessor. He, he wouldn't was say silent. anything. Yeah. So he said, okay, yeah. you won't say anything. We'll make sure you never do again. They cut his tongue out. Um, well, when they opened his tomb, a little, uh, probably kind of disgusting, reddened tissue fell out of his skull. So they thought, oh, that, that's his tongue. Three centuries later, when the rest of him is totally decomposed, his tongue's still there. So that just goes into the, the myth of the whole confessor thing, you know. So... Um, if you're really curious about it, the tongue is now encased in glass, or the tongue, I should say, I'm making air quotes, uh, is now encased in glass and visible in a museum underneath the Charles Bridge. I think we actually, did we mention this on our first podcast? It, it sounds really familiar. Like, I feel well, like I've mentioned been, the tongue before. We mentioned the area because the Jesuits actually have a church, one of the first churches, the Baroque Church, uh, uh, in that area right next to the bridge uh, is uh, um, called St. Salvatore. And that's actually the, um, uh, it's a very small, small square, the smallest square in Prague. Yeah. And uh, it's, uh, I believe it's called the Knights of the of the Cross of St. John, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Yeah. And, and, and so it's it's right there. It's just, it's just a, it's, it's got the statue of Charles IV, and then it leads right into right. the tower, right there yeah. with the crown. So the, the museum is actually right below that, right below the tower. Mm -hmm. And so if you want to go see it, it's, it's right there. So um, it, there, it's, it's a very interesting little area right there to go take a look at that. But you, you will see, like in many other places, that having a bit of a saint encased in glass is common fare for, for most cathedrals and churches here in, in Prague. Uh, it makes it a very interesting story. I know some tests have been done on certain things that are kept under glass to prove uh, the date of authenticity. But I don't know if they tested the tongue. That might be uh, an interesting uh, yeah, DNA test. I, Can you do that? There can't be no well, more tissue, I think this tissue for DNA tests. No, okay, here's the thing. I think this one's authentic. Yeah. I just don't think it's his tongue. What would it be? Because basically <laughs> something fell out of his skull. It could be any part of some decaying anything. Well, let's, it could let's be put it this. Any, maybe somebody put something in his mouth on the, on, in, in, before he was laid to rest. Could be. Part of it a could funeral rite. Part, yeah, part yeah. of his, what do you call it, the, the, the burial burial cloth or whatever. So it was, you know, only thing, it, it looks like a little piece of red tissue. It could be cloth. could be anything. And it's really hard to make anything out in the glass. Like it just kind of looks like a piece of wadded up cotton or something. So, so yeah. So tell us more about what, you know, some of the, some of the other things that happened after his death. Well, there, there's, there's two things that you'll probably be able to see that connect the, the, the city with, uh, with uh, John Nepomuk. And that would be uh, what you would see in Prague Castle, which is his adorned tomb mm -hmm. that's uh, very close to the antechamber in the very, very back. Uh, it's it's the one that's made in, in with silver cherubs and uh, bright silver glossed over uh, tomb with red velvet type of, 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 of curtains 
that uh, are inter 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 connected to the um, the silver uh, tomb itself. So it's something you can't miss. It's probably the the, the more amazing tomb that's in, that's in the uh, oh, yeah. in the in St. Vitus Cathedral. So you can see that. But the other one that most people see is when they actually go across Charles Bridge in. 1683, Charles Bridge was adorned with a statue of, saint, of, of this saint, which had numerous other successors. In 1708, the first church was dedicated to him in Hrada Kralova, uh, and more famous pilgrimage church in uh, St. John of Nepomuk was founded in 1719. There are some connections to that, but like I said at the beginning of the podcast, you will see a little statue in every little town and hamlet, to some, some big cities as well that have a statue of St. Saint, of Saint John of Nepomuk on their bridge, mm -hmm. you know, so, yeah. so that does live on. On, on May 31st, 1721, uh, he, was, he was beautified, and on March 19th, 1729, he was canonized under Pope Benedict VIII. So, you know, I, I would have to say that it is, he really does live, live large here in the Czech Republic. Everybody knows of him here. It's just the foreigners that come in and say, Nepomuk, that's a strange name. And they, and they, they out of curiosity, they hear, oh, yeah, he was a guy that tossed, was tossed over the bridge for not con, uh, divulging a confession. And people go, great, and they move on. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I'm glad that we could talk about this tonight to kind of give you a better idea about who the man was that we think he was and some of the, the factions that kind of, kind of molded his myth a little bit. There's some other things that come in that then were probably added later, hard to say, but, but um, you know, he's, he's not only mentioned in the Czech Republic. I mean, you know, he's the patron saint of bridges, so you'll find statues of him in Italy, Germany, Poland, Lithuania. Um, but So if you see a statue of him, you'll know it's him by, because he has a halo of five stars. And this is interesting because they say that when he was thrown into the river, these like five stars appeared in the water. And I've seen a, a reenactment, like they do these knights coming through on horses or whatever, and they did, a re did, it, they did like a reenactment of this, and so they, they projected like stars on the water. So it was like they, they, you know, they chucked them in and then they projected these stars. And there's the spot on the Charles Bridge where he was supposedly thrown over, so you'll see that. Like not just his statue, but also the little brass plaque that everybody touches for good luck. Um, so another way to tell the statues is his priestly dress, the palm of martyrs, he's carrying a cross, and an angel, an angel indicating silence by a finger over his lips. And so, like, I remember we were on the castle tour, or I was giving you a tour of the castle, and we saw a statue, and I was like, is that him, is that not? I'm sure it is now, because there was... He had five the, stars. He had the five stars, right. and he had the, the, the finger on his lips. Right. So, because he was so, you know, sworn to silence or whatever. So, so his his legend just be, went beyond uh, uh, Bohemia, of course. So, I, I think that uh, when you when you look at the importance the church put on having a a flag bearer about confessions, uh, this was the man to 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 hold that to hold that banner and say, look how important this is. So, as we saw talk about tonight, you can see the Catholic side, you can see the Protestant side, and somewhere maybe in between the middle or a combination of the two, you're going to have a, a good idea about maybe what happened to this man that was that was thrown over into the Vltava River. Uh, one last point before we, we break tonight. In 2002, we had one of those every once in 500 year floods here in, in, in Prague uh, and throughout That, that happens every year? Yeah. Well, <laughs> no, no, this was a big one. This yeah. was a big one. And uh, it was uh, devastating to a lot of property and historical locations throughout Prague. 
Uh, the water level, level uh, did a lot of damage to a lot of things, from the zoo down down the down the stream to to the bridge itself. Uh, there was there's some structural damage to that, but it wasn't taken away. And <laughs> so people say, "Thank you, John Nepomuk, for, yep. for for keeping our city alive and 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 not being washed away." The name is is still uh, revered quite well here in Czech Republic, and we're glad to bring that information to you tonight. And we look forward to our next broadcast with you all. Thank you all for listening tonight. We'll be back in a few weeks. Yep, thanks. You have been listening to the Bohemican podcast with Pete Coleman and Travis Doe. Visit bohemican.com for more information on this episode, other episodes, and much more information about history, traditions, and culture in the Czech Republic. Find us on iTunes, subscribe, and review, and don't forget to rate us. We would love to hear from you. Send comments, ideas, and corrections on our comments page on bohemican.com or get in touch via Facebook or Twitter. Tune in to our sister podcast, History of Alchemy, which is also on iTunes or on historyofalchemy.com. Until next time on the Bohemican Podcast, thank you for listening.